Hello, Cryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. This is episode number 452. Can you believe it? 452 episodes? Oh my goodness, we're so close to 500. My name is Jake Jabarilli, and as always, with me is Blockchain John, the famous, the ultimate Blockchain John is here. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Let's get into the news. Oh. We're trying to change things up, and we're just trying to make things better, so I'm going to hit it. You want to hit with Elon Tesk new, uh, Tesla news? Elon Musk. Tesla still hodling $218 million in Bitcoin. This is written from Jason Nelson, provided by Decrypt.co. Tesla's Bitcoin holdings remain unchanged for the second quarter of 2022, according to documents released by the electric car manufacturer ahead of its third quarter investors' relations call. In Tesla's report released to the public on Wednesday, the company says it still holds $218 million in Bitcoin. In July, Tesla announced that it sold 75% of Bitcoin holdings, around $936 million at the time. After the sale, Tesla reported it continued to hold $222 million worth of digital assets on its balance sheet as of the end of June. During the Q2 investors call, Musk had said the company sold its Bitcoin to free up cash as COVID lockdowns continued in China. Quote, it was important for us to maximize our cash position given the uncertainty of COVID lockdowns in China, end quote, he explained. Despite that sale, Tesla remains one of the largest ho uh, holders of Bitcoin by a publicly traded company. After MicroStrategy was 130,000 BTC, around $2.48 billion. And Galaxy Digital Holdings was 16,400 BTC, about $313 million. Musk plans to buy Twitter and the subsequent legal battle over wanting to back out of the deal did not factor into the decision at the time, nor does it seem to have changed the company's stance on crypto. In September, leaked messages showed the world's richest man having discussions with various tech entrepreneurs including Block Inc.'s Jack Dorsey and FTX Sam Bankman-Fried about the potential future of the popular social media platform. One idea floated including adding a payment option for Musk favorite cryptocurrency Dogecoin. That's a good the idea. idea, Musk said, was to have users pay a tiny amount to register a message on chain, which will cut the majority of spam and bots by requiring 0.1 Doge to post or repost. Hey, yeah, that's a good idea. I like that one. That is, that is actually. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's how you prevent spam and bots, man. You got to, you got to pay for it. That's why uh, we were talking about uh, what was it yesterday, the day before yesterday. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Was it uh, Red Light Finance where they have like zero fees? I don't understand how a, a platform or a blockchain is going to have zero fees. Like that's where you're going to get a lot of bots and yeah. spam. I yep. don't understand. Like did you, did you get any feedback when we went to the Blockchain Expo about that? No, I didn't talk to them about that exactly. But I mean, I follow it. I, I get the reasoning, but I, it feels like it's wasn't thought through despite the fact that they have this huge company that they've already started and they're already doing stuff with. It's like... Not everybody thinks everybody everything through, unfortunately, before they post or before they take action on something. So it looks like, uh, wow, Polytech's really what, contributing to our Twitch channel. <laughs> I see that. Let's see what uh, Tesla uh, CEO Elon Musk is going to do with Twitter. Do you think he's going to get it? You think he's gonna yeah, buy he's going to buy it. Yeah, I think he's he gonna is. going to buy it, really? Yeah, I, wow. but he has I, to now. This guy has so much money. Like, why not just create your own platform or, or just move over to what Jack Dorsey is doing, you know? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I still feel like it was a trolling thing that uh, Musk was trolling and then he kind of got caught. I mean, it's like it's like his offering to, to buy for 420. It's like, come on, dude, that's just a troll move. 
Anyways, uh, let's talk about some illegalities here with uh, Jose Antonio Lanz and uh, Venezuela and Russia on, crypt on decrypt. Two Venezuelans and five Russians accused of using cryptocurrency to evade sanctions. Oh, really? The United States today announced the takedown of a Russian-Venezuelan network that used Tether to trade outside of traditional banking structures, thus evading international sanctions. I, I, I don't know how to put this. Well, libertarian is really get, getting angry at this. One of the most discussed geopolitical scenarios for cryptocurrencies is their ability to evade conventional financial restrictions imposed by world powers against their adversaries. But this workaround is becoming increasingly difficult to execute. A few hours ago, the U.S. Department of Justice announced that it was pressing charges against five Russian and two Venezuelan nationals accused of maintaining a global network of money laundering, smuggling, and trading with sanctioned companies, particularly the Venezuelan state-owned Petróleos de Venezuela, or SA, PDVSA. According to press release, the U.S. Attorney, Eastern District of New York, filed 12 charges against Russian nationals Yuri Orekov, uh, Svetlana Kuzer, Kurzur Gasheva, Artem Us, Timofey uh, Telegan, Sergei Tulikov, and Venezuelans Juan Fernando Serrano and Juan Carlos Soto. Anyways, uh, per the DOJ's Serrano and Soto facilitated the trade of hundreds of millions of barrels of oil that were subsequently shipped to Russian and Chinese buyers through the intermediation of Orkov and Us, uh, Orkov and Kurzu Gasheva, meanwhile, are accused of smuggling military technology to Russia in violation of U.S. interests. It's it, it, there are other countries. They don't. We don't own them. <laughs> Sorry to say, I, I get why they're doing it, but the document explains that the Russians used several intermediary companies to facilitate the payments. In addition, they made several million dollar transfers in cryptocurrencies to avoid these sanctions. According to sources cited by the Bloc, Orkov told an accomplice, quote, No worries, no stress. As soon as we start birthing, that's parking the boat, we will immediately transfer. USDT works quick like SMS, end quote. The case is under the responsibility of the Office of National Security and Crime Section. Assistant U.S. Attorney Artie McConnell is in charge of the prosecution. The arrest and charges were the result of a joint effort between U.S., German, Italian law enforcement agencies. The PDV, uh, PDVSA was san sanctioned during the Donald Trump administration along with the country's official cryptocurrency, the Petro. As a result of the sanctions, the US, uh, United States effectively eliminated the possibility for Venezuela to establish normal commercial relations with any country in the world. Under the sanctions, the United States effectively prevented Venezuela from establishing normal commercial relations with the rest of the country of the world since whoever trades with the oil companies is exposed to not being able to maintain commercial relations with the North American power as well as facing other physical and monetary consequences. Wow, I did that in one breath. <laughs> the political move generated losses to Venezuela on the order of $240 billion, according to sources cited by Venezuelan media outlet Ultimis Notices. TCS. Meanwhile, sanctions against Russia intensified after the invasion of Ukraine. The use of cryptocurrencies has played an important role in this war, as Ukraine has been able to receive close to 100 million U.S. dollars, allowing it to purchase military equipment, including vests, heat visors, food for troops, communication devices, and medicines. Similarly, Russian militias have received cryptocurrency donations to support their cars, albeit in lesser amounts. And lawmakers around the world have joined forces to prevent Russia from being able to use cryptocurrencies to its advantage in the same way Ukraine has. So, in looking at this, um, 
I, yes, I guess I live in the United States. Um, I don't necessarily approve this, although I understand the reasons why the U.S. is doing it. The U.S. is trying to stop Russia, in particular, from getting supplies. That was the whole point of putting sanctions in place. But, um, I, you know, the free use of cryptocurrency, as is obviously possible in literally any methodology, although cryptocurrency makes it far easier, um, is the very reason for cryptocurrency's existence. Not necessarily to to do things that are illegal, according to whomever says they are illegal, because all kinds of things. I mean, think about the poor girl who died in, in Iran. They said not wearing a proper head covering is illegal. But most other places in the world, that's not true. So did they get to sanction the U.S. for not making all of our women wear head coverings by blocking our cryptocurrency use? And that's what I'm trying to say, is that, is that the U.S. is, you know, uh, authority to say what people can and cannot do. That was the whole point that uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone were trying to make when they made that movie uh, uh, America World Police way back in the early 2000s. They're trying to say the U.S. is basically playing the world police. If you don't do what we say, we're going to mess you up. You know? And that's a very common perspective. Yep. Um, and I just don't approve it. I, I mean, I get it. There needs to be some kind of rule of law. You know, don't kill people. I think that's a good reason. Don't kill people unless they try to kill you first is another one. But it's like, yeah, yeah, don't, don't, don't go out of your way to be a dick, you know. Um, so there's all kinds of, of aspects of things that have been going on in the world. The U.S. has been enforcing its own opinions and, and rules on the world for a long, long time. And is that really right of us to do? And I'm not saying it's us. I'm saying us in the sense of, of us living in the U.S. But uh, I just, I, I, I have... It's more like this ends justifies the means thing. They're kind of saying like, well, if we let Venezuela and Russia trade through the use of cryptocurrency, then they're basically getting around our sanctions. Yeah, no, they are. Absolutely. And that does suck. But we're, it, it is the hot war versus the cold war the point? I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's like, I know that they're, they're playing this, this game, and I'm not trying to take too much time out of what we're saying, but they're playing this game of, of saying, well, we don't really want to go with nuclear war against Russia. We really want to avoid that. So we're trying to do things to kind of keep Russia down, right? Keep them from doing the things that we really don't want them to do. But it's okay. You can go ahead and attack Ukraine. We'll, we'll just help Ukraine you know, try to fight you. But we're not going to go fight you ourselves. Because if the U.S. stepped into the Ukraine, man, that would really set things off between us and China. <laughs> so... Polytech on chat says they're just fighting a proxy war, man. Yeah, no, I know they are. I just, I'm not, I'm not particularly fond of, of what they're doing. Because so basically they're setting a precedent. They're saying, if you don't do what the U.S. says, sorry. <laughs> Polytech did have another uh, message earlier on my last article. He says that's, what, in regards to the fee structure, he says that's why Ravencoin is the best cryptocurrency on the planet. The fee structure is set up incredibly well. That's I agree. <laughs> no, it's it's a pretty good coin. Like I said, right. moving moving coin around. Like I said, my I don't know if Polytech watched my video or not, but um, I basically said that you know a, quarter, a two and a half million dollars U.S. currency in effectively in Ravencoin moved in the last twenty four hours. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Um, next news written by Andrew Thoravallis of Decrypt.co. Sam Bankman fried pitches sanctions, allow list, and blacklist in crypto. Let's see what's going on here. FTX boss Sam Bankman-Fried 
thoroughly broke down his ideal regulatory framework for the crypto industry on Wednesday. The billionaire said he is a proponent of regulation using blacklist or blocklist, a model where individuals may freely trade unless explicitly sanctioned. This is in contrast with whitelist or allow list, where individuals are banned from trade by default unless expli explicitly granted permission. Quote, we need fast, reliable addresses associated with illicit finances, said the CEO, but peer-to-peer -peer transfers should generally be free as long as they're not going to sanctioned actors. In a more detailed document on FTX's website titled Possible Digital Asset Industry Standards, the exchange likely uh, channeling its top executive further argued that using allow list would be a massive burden on innovation and commerce that freezes out the, uh, the eco uh, ec ec economically disadvantaged. On the other hand, the exchange noted simply allowing all transfers would open the floodgates to financial crime. Block lists, it argues, strike a much healthier balance between the two. This, quote, this can simultaneously enforce sanctions compliance effectively while also making sure that you don't need a passport or social and social security number to buy a badge from seven 7-Eleven, <laughs> said SBF. Enforcing such sanction compliance can be difficult in practice, however... FTX raised the issue of timing. What happens if funds from illicit financial activities are moved after the activities are, are discovered, but before that's communicated to all of the platforms, the service asked? When it comes to the blockchain, crypto addresses do not equal users. Stolen funds can be transferred through virtual an infinite number of addresses with little way of knowing to who each address belongs to. That leaves exchanges with the tough task of constantly monitoring which addresses are associated with illegal funds and blacklisting them accordingly. I don't, Even that creates its own... Go ahead. I don't feel sorry for him at all. <laughs> you know why? Because <clears throat> he's a centralized exchange. Mm. You do a decentralized exchange, you don't have to worry about who blacklists what. <laughs> well, you actually, no. Let me speak on that a little bit more. It does affect this company. The FBI can actually go to him and say, hey, we, we traced back some coins that are sitting on your exchange. You have this 1,000 Bitcoin sitting on your exchange. We need to confiscate those. He has to forfeit those coins. Yep, I know. Anybody that owns those <clears throat> coins on his exchange, too, too bad for them. They don't have those I know, but, but, I, I, but put it this way. These exchanges make boatloads of cash off, off of their the way that they exchange. I, I think it, it's, it's, a, it's a worthy you know, exchange. You're like, well, you know... <clears throat> We're registered in the United States. The United States has their hand up our butt. We make a lot of money. If you're going to do illegal stuff, you're, you're going to get your, your money confiscated because that's illegal in this country. The same thing if you did it in Saudi Arabia. If you're going to go do something in Saudi Arabia that's not allowed there, you have to face the consequences. You know, I don't like it, but you're there, right? You don't want to do it. Don't do, you know, they, they say, don't, don't like, you don't want to do the time, don't do the crime. So, anyway, sorry. On. Even that creates its own set of problems. In August, a Twitter troll dusted hundreds of high-profile addresses with a tiny amount of tainted Tornado Cash ETH shortly after the privacy protocol was sanctioned by OFAC, creating a legal mess for the unwitting recipients. FTS suggested that o o OFAC create an address specifically for any dusting victims to send their illegal funds to, thus curing the address from blocklist status. 
The exchange also recommends that trusted actors maintain their own list of addresses suspected of being related to financial crime, but which are still legal to transact with. In other words, sending sanctioned funds is sanctioned. Receiving them should come with an opportunity to cure, it concluded. Yeah. This is a tough task, no doubt about it. You're a big company, you're going to have to spend money doing it. It's the same thing as, as YouTube trying to, or even Facebook for that matter, their video business is trying to, you know, keep clean the uh, the content so that people don't get offended or, you know, do lawsuits or they get in trouble. I totally understand the reason for doing it. It's just, so it's going to be a hard test. You're making money, SBF. Figure it out. <laughs> I want to say the, uh, the FTX, right? FTX. Yeah. Well, that's his oh, company, oh, right? But I'm saying SM Bank Free, you know, it's, it's your company. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in regards to FTX, they're using a lot of artificial intelligence on the back end to, to, tra uh, to track down these addresses and find out which ones are um, block list status, right? This is pretty much the same, if not more advanced technology that the tax authorities are using, you know, Sam, mm -hmm. uh, Uncle yep. Sam. And people are like, nah, man, they're never gonna, they're never gonna find me. My taxes, you know, I don't have to pay uh, my taxes on crypto. Yes, you do, man. Trust me, they have some pretty advanced technology on the back end, so you don't get caught slipping. All right. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. All right. Continuing on. Um, you can read what. Uh, well, I'll, I'll read this, but I think that what um, Polytech suggested in his question is a good thing we can put in the next Twitter space. Draft of DeFi killing CFTC bill has leaked. Here's what's in it. This is by Stacey Elliott, also on Decrypt. The drafts out of the Capitol. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. A, a copy of the still-in-progress Digital Commodities Consumer Protection Act of DCCPA, which outlines how Commodities Future Trading Commission would regulate the crypto industry, has up and uploaded to GitHub today. Uh-oh. Which senator did that? Hmm? The draft appears to show a softening of the language and it drew criticism because it, it could have created a de facto ban on DeFi, a catch-all term for, uh, well, we already know what that means. Um, anyways, so, notably, this is a quote, the version contains a limited exception to the term digital commodity trading facility, which would exclude persons who solely develop or publish software. This could be a boon to DeFi crypto. Quote, end quote, says Gabriel Shapiro, a crypto attorney and general counsel at DeFi Labs, tweeted on Wednesday. Shapiro said he made the draft available to the public because of his belief in, quote, transparency and open discussion of the future of crypto law. I, I agree with the man, end quote. The DCCPA was introduced by Senator Debbie Stabenow, a Democrat from Michigan, and John Boozman, a Republican from Arkansas. In uh, August, since then, Coinbase and, and uh, SBF have been openly supportive of it. It also gained some traction because it offers an alternative to what has been described as regulation by enforcement strategy from the SEC. But both Coinbase and FDX centralized entities have drawn criticism for supporting a bill that has been interpreted as a threat to decentralized protocols in the industry, such as those that power decentralized exchanges like Uniswap. Here's a quote from Richard Chen on Twitter. On Tuesday night, Bankman-Fried wrote on Twitter that he still believes that the CCPA will, be effect will effectively create a regulatory framework for centralized exchanges without endangering the existence of software, blockchains, validators, and DeFi, etc. And here's SBF's tweet on that. 
Then on Wednesday, he shared a link a, to a 3,700-word blog post outlining his thoughts on how the digital asset industry should be regulated. In it, he writes that DeFi is, quote, one of the trickier things, end quote, to account for a regulatory framework. Meanwhile, the crypto lobbyist group Blockchain Association has been vocal in saying that the DCCPA needs some changes lest it create a de facto ban on decentralized finance. Last month, Jake Chervininsky, head of the policy at Blockchain Association, summed up the testimony he gave in a September 15th hearing on Twitter. At the time, he said that the language in the bill would treat all of the crypto industry like centralized entities, but that it would make it difficult for DeFi protocols, no more than code, to comply with regulations. He then quoted that those comments on Wednesday, adding, quote, I'm hopeful that it can be amended to treat DeFi fairly, but we'll have to wait and see what the next draft says, end quote. And here's his tweet. So... We have run into this kind of stuff before, and I'm grateful that somebody is willing to post the content to um, let everybody see what's going on. Because really, who makes the laws but the people who voted for the people to be lawmakers? Um, It's really just our will, the will of the people, that's making the laws. And if we don't like the laws, we should be able to change them. And technically, we are able to change them. It just seems like it's really hard to do that sometimes because there's so many of us. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I, I really hope... This is really just an update, if anything, but it is important to make note that it is um, a a blanket law will not fit all situations. And we've seen plenty of examples of people making really bad decisions, even in their own centralized exchanges, that lead to theft. So (laughs) if someone wants to exploit something or if someone's trying to make something easier for one one group of people and not the other, that's where we're going to... We need more thought on this before we make a definitive law. And even though we make a law, we can still change the law. So, anyways, um, that's all i got to say about that. Let's go to the next news. Oh, next news written by Andrew Thorvalis. This one's, once again, from Decrypt.co. Coinbase backs Grayscale's Bitcoin ETF lawsuit against SEC. America's largest cryptocurrency exchange, Coinbase, is putting its weight behind Grayscale, the world's largest Bitcoin fund, in its legal battle with the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC. Grayscale is suing the federal regulators over its refusal to approve the company's application or any other for a Bitcoin ETF. The fund claims the SEC is, quote, failing to apply consistent treatment to similar investment vehicles, end quote as evidenced by the Commission's willingness to approve multiple Bitcoin future ETFs, but refusal to allow spot market ETFs to go forward. Coinbase's uh, Amici Karai brief filed with the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia on Tuesday levied the same arguments. Quote, both spot and future exchange-traded products, whether tied to Bitcoin or other commodities like gold, platinum, or palladium, create the same investment exposure for investors, argued the exchange. Both products are designed to track the price of the underlying commodity, Bitcoin. An ETF is an investment vehicle that allows buyers to gain exposure to an asset without the need to purchase and hold the underlying asset itself. A Bitcoin ETF, for example, would allow investors to indirectly invest in Bitcoin without buying the cryptocurrency through an exchange and storing it in a digital wallet. Both futures and spot market ETFs essentially achieve the same goal, but through different means. Whereas a futures ETF tracks the price of derivatives contracts, which themselves allow traders to bet on the future price of Bitcoin. A spot market ETF would back its shares directly with Bitcoin. 
The futures market is also regulated by the CFTC. SEC Chair Gary Gensler has in the past implied that he believes this may make these markets safer for ordinary investors. The Bitcoin spot market, the buying and selling of physical BTC is not regulated. In its brief, however, Coinbase claimed that restricting Bitcoin spot ETFs from reaching the market unjustifiably limits investors' choice and further argued that the SEC is engaging in arbitrary and capricious practice of picking winners and losers among investment products. Multiple crypto-centric nonprofit were also represented as Amici Karai in the brief including the Blockchain Association, the Chamber of Digital Commerce, Chamber of Progress, and Coin Center. Having denied multiple Bitcoin spot ETF proposals from different parties, the SEC's reasoning remains the same. ETF providers must form a, quote, surveillance sharing agreement with a, quote, regulated market of significant size related to the underlying Bitcoin being tracked as a measure against potential market manipulation. Before being denied in June, Grayscale's application argued that it could use the CME Bitcoin futures market as a source of market manipulation data. However, the commission claimed that this market, while regulated, was not adequate, adequately related to spot Bitcoin. Multiple other countries have already approved Bitcoin spot ETF products, including Canada, Australia, Germany, and Brazil. According to Coinbase, the SEC's refusal to do the same is driving U.S. investors to those markets and other trading venues that are not within the commission's purview. This is exactly what I was saying about the whole concept of all kinds of trading. It's like... I, people trading um, on BitMEX, which was in the Seychelles, right? They were trading there because they couldn't do the same thing within the U.S. Although there were things in the U.S., they moved to the Seychelles so they could do it. And it's like, I st- I'm still a little bit miffed about the U.S. persecuting the Seychelles. I mean, persecuting BitMEX for them being outside the U.S.'s purview. It's like, look, they're over there because they you can't do this in the U.S. If people decide to use a VPN to get to their website... That's on those people, not not BitMEX. It's not BitMEX's fault for re- people who live in, in the United States, you know, VPNing into their server. They can do everything they can to stop them, and if they still get in, it's those people's fault, not BitMEX's fault. You know, we don't we don't uh, persecute uh, the power company for people using electricity to kill their neighbor. We don't because it's not it's not the electricity's fault. It's the person who did the killing's fault. <laughs> Anyways. Unstoppable. I mean, that's the name of the company. Unstoppable Domains stops selling .coin domains after realizing they've existed for years. Apparently, this is something they didn't know. I think they knew. Anyways. Unstoppable Domains offers an array of NFT-based domain names. I'm going to say this is written by Andrew Hayward. Um, <clears throat> and decentralized websites viewable in certain browsers. But the startup just scrapped one of its domain offerings after realizing that another company had already been selling similar Web3 domains for eight years. (laughs) The billion-dollar firm announced this week that it will no longer sell .coin domains and has discontinued service that allow existing .com, pardon me, .coin domains to function. That's because another blockchain company, Emmercoin, has previously offered its own .coin domains since 2014. But Unstoppable Domains didn't realize it until recently after launching at .coin Domains last year. 
Emercoin, the platform issuing the .coin domains, hadn't marketed their top-level domain extensively, making it difficult to find. As soon as the collision came to our attention, we stopped selling the .coin domains while we were investigating the issue, the firm wrote. The Emercoin team are pioneers in our industry, and we regret that we weren't aware of this naming collision earlier. Unstoppable Domain said that leaving its .coin services intact could lead to a potential collision between rival offerings. That could cause users to inadvertently send crypto funds to an incorrect wallet. For example, thus losing access to those funds forever, or assets, rather. Naming collisions are dangerous for Unstoppable Community and for the Web3 as a whole. The firm wrote, Multiple versions of a top-level domain could cause chaos. Imagine sending Bitcoin to the wrong Nora.nft or connecting your wallet to Uniswap.crypto and getting a scammer's website instead of the real one, which I'm sure has happened. Users who purchased .coin domains from a sample domains as an NFT or a blockchain token representing owners and unique items will still own those NFTs, but they are functionally useless now. The company has deactivated its service tied to those domains, but the NFTs themselves will still remain within users' self-custodied wallets. As a make good offering on Sapple Domains has uh, said that it would refund buyers with three times the original purchase price in credits, which users can apply to other domains. The company also claimed that it has implemented more exhaustive methods for tracking down potential conflicts with other existing and future domain offerings. Many early attempts at blockchain naming systems were small and built for very specific communities, it wrote. Seeking out those early projects has been a challenge, but we've looked into in extreme detail. The Supple Domains raised $65 million in Series A rounding fund in July, bringing its valuation to about a billion dollars. The first claim, the firm claims that users have registered over 2.7 million NFT-based domains to date through its service, which is integrated with services like Coinbase Wallet and Web Browser Brave. The firm's domain are currently minted on Polygon and Ethereum scaling networks. So, yeah, um, I guess it sucks, but it looks like the reparations are good. I just hope that nobody paid more than three times what they're getting back. <laughs> Did you get an unstoppable domain? I have not purchased an unstoppable domain because it's on Ethereum. Mm. Well, I mean, they're on Polygon now, but originally they were only on Ethereum, and so I didn't get any of them for that very reason. Okay. So... All right, that's a wrap, Kryptonauts. Let's we are done with the news. Talk Let's about our... Raven Global Awards, Ravencoin Global Awards. We got to talk about this happening uh, not this coming Saturday, but the following Saturday. John, please, it's your baby. Tell them all about it. Yep. So this is the first Ravencoin Global Awards. Uh, it's an annual get together there in Braveland, which is the metaverse for the Ravencoin community. We're going to meet up there next, not not this Saturday, but the following Saturday at. 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern uh, time, and pretty much just thanking individuals that are part of the Ravencoin community and giving them a reward uh, for doing all, all this awesome work that they've been doing. Keep in mind that people aren't really getting paid. There's no marketing budget. These are all people just doing things out of the kindness of their heart. So I it's believe all that altruistic. amazing people should be rewarded in yes. some fashion. Yes, it's all it's all of their of their own altruistic desire to do things. They might be making money on the back end in some way, but they're not. the 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 goal is is community. So, if you want to learn more, head on over to rvnawards.com. Yes, and this is being put on by us, cryptocurrency chat. Uh, also, uh, we have, as you all probably know by now, shop.bibberly.com/slash c3media is where we have a bunch of our T-shirts. You can pick up any one of the three. 
uh, prints there are available. And you can always check out our donation page, Cointree, that's C-O-R-I-N-T-R dot slash C3 Media, and see all of our, our social media links, Odyssey, et cetera, as well as anything to donate. So thank you all for listening this evening and or whenever it is that you're listening. <laughs> as we see at the end of every show, stack sats and huddle. Adios. Adios.